So, is the name of the podcast. I'm John McKenna, the host and producer of So. My plan is to have ongoing episodes that highlight interesting and diverse stories with different people. He looks like a little bird that's fallen out of the nest. Those were the words from my grandmother to my mum the day I was born in hospital. I have a disability which is called arthrogryposis, multiplex congenital. It affected all my limbs and I now use an electric wheelchair. The episodes you're about to listen to are two conversations with my beautiful parents, Marie McKenna and Frank McKenna. I was really interested to hear from their perspective on what they thought when looking back on how things were as parents. I must, of course, also acknowledge my fantastic family, Tony, my oldest brother, David, Louise, and my younger brother, Paul. It's a great conversation. I know you'll get something out of it. Please enjoy. So I'm with my beautiful mother. Hi, Mum. Oh, John, that's so nice. You're the first person to say that. I'm sure I'm not. (laughs) This is a conversation that I've been looking forward to having for a really long time because I know so much how you and Dad have played a big part of my life. But for those people listening, it's really important to be able to enjoy this conversation to know some background. I'm a person that has a condition called arthrogryposis multiplex congenital, which is a disability and has confined me to an electric wheelchair and affected all of my limbs. There's been lots of surgery, lots of laughter, lots of tears, lots of decision-making, and it's really good for me to be able to have this opportunity and share with everybody the chat I'm going to have with my mum right now and we're going to be talking with a dad later on. So, Mum, tell us about your family. How many kids you got? Well, I'm the only girl with four brothers. Right. So you can imagine how I was rather special in the family. Spoiled, but not, not too spoiled, more loved. And then married the man of my life, who I was a school-age girl almost, knew him when I was only 14 because he went to school with my brother and then went to a lovely convent school where one was encouraged to be either a teacher or a nurse but or, of course, a good wife and mother. They were the ambitions of girls of my era. So I did that, was married at 20, had four boys and one daughter. So I was blessed, loved every moment of it. And as my, one of my boys said, how on earth did you ever, ever manage looking after five children and you didn't have to go to work and Dad paid for our education? I said, well, just good management, that's all. I stayed at home and loved every moment of it. 
Lovely. So do you agree with that, John? I do, yes. How could you not agree? That, that <laughs> came from the heart. So in 1962 um, you had me and I guess this whole uh, conversation we're about to have is just you sharing your own journey on uh, how that was. So let's start with going back to you were in hospital and the nurses have come up and said, what did they say, Mum? Well, to begin with, John, when I went to hospital to have you, I was two, two weeks overdue and you were supposed to be Catherine Ann. <laughs> because you were the most wanted of all my children because to be a sister for Louise. But as it turned out, you weren't Catherine Ann at all. You came out as another boy and Louise wasn't too proud about that when she heard. And then, of course, when the nurse brought me to you, they said, oh, he's got, you've got a few problems with this bloke. Um I said, oh, what is it? And they said, look, we'll, we'll just get the doctor first of all to have a look at him. And the doctor came in and said, well, he said, you have got a few problems with him. He's just not like the normal kid, you know. But anyway, he's got good eyes. That was a specialist paediatrician who came afterwards. But I looked at him and thought, oh, you dear little fellow. And as my mother said, he was like a little bird that's fallen out of a nest. <laughs> so... It sort of really didn't sink in that much. And then, of course, the priest came to baptise him and the priest said, well, what do you want to call him? And I said, oh, I don't know. He was supposed to be Catherine Ann, but we can't <laughs> do that now. Um, well, what's your father's name? And I said, Jack. Okay, we'll call him John. And what's the father-in-law's name? Owen. Okay, we'll call him John Owen. I said, oh, that's a lovely name. <laughs> so, therefore, that was how you were, were given your lovely name, John. Okay. Mm. So the attitude of the staff... Medical staff? Uh, I think they were pretty much upset. And one particular, they were, you could tell, they were distressed because it was not often they get little babies that are not quite as uh, well-formed as others. And one particular poor woman said, oh, what are you going to do with him? Isn't there a place that he can go to or they have babies like that? And I was a bit horrified, so I told the matron, she said, well, that's wrong. But looking back, I think the poor girl, she was only a young nurse. She didn't know what to say in situations like that. But anyway, the rest of them were wonderful, absolutely wonderful. I had no, no, I had so much help from friends. I really did. Mm. And I think that's like any um, situation where something wasn't planned, comes up in your life and um, you then talk around who's there, who can you talk with. So... Your brothers and mum you've spoken about, girlfriends, how did that go? Just because naturally I was your third child, so you'd go to catch up with other mothers and talk about the kids, four kids. You were the fourth child. Oh, thank you. I just got four figures held up by my mum. I was never good at maths, mother. So as the fourth child. Um, now what I'm getting at is... Uh, your girlfriends who spoke about their kids and then you, did you find their attitude change towards you when they had to bring up me? No, not at all. I've just had the best help. All my girlfriends were the first to say, well, I'm bad luck, but never mind, we'll help you, we'll help you. And, you know, they were, they were upset themselves, but all took it very well. That's the sort of friends I've got and sure. still have got. That's right. I, you know, they uh, definitely played a big part when it came to 
by hospital time. Oh, yes, and the visits yes. and all that. If we look at the – so we've done the hospital thing and we'll go back there, of course, because there was a few visits. But the overall system, uh, once again, we are talking about back in the 1962, of course. How did you feel? Did you expect more support from government and organisations? No, I didn't really because uh, we, we were always able to cope on our own bat, the, the um, health sister, sister, the local lady, she came to visit me more so than me go down with John because apart from that I had, you know, three other children and um, she, we were not far and she said, well, don't worry about coming down, Marie, I'll come up and, and weigh John. And she popped up, had a cup of tea with me and then went back and life went on with that type of um, expectation wasn't too much at all. We just got on with life and, of course, keeping John healthy, that was the main thing, which he was a very, and you were a very healthy child. Right. Very healthy. That's good. Hardly ever cried. You just gave a little whimper when you were uncomfortable. No, you were marvellous. There was lots of... You were bottle-fed, of course. You weren't breastfed. Okay. Because that suited everybody. For sure. There was lots of decisions that had to be made in relation to corrective surgery? Well, before that, you were put in a little cradle to make your spine a little bit uh, more, what we hoped, straightened up, being put in a cradle for that. Well, that was no bother. And then you were given your little feet were club feet, so then you were put into these little braces to keep your feet straight. All that type of manoeuvring was done sure. when you were very little. I don't know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't remember Not anything like that. No. And, um, and then as you got older, I think the f- you, you had a couple of trips to the, in fact, you were in the, uh, when the old children's hospital was built, uh, finished, you were in the intake of the brand new one, but you had pneumonia. You were very, you know, sick. You got inclined to be a little bit chesty. Right. So, but you got over that too. Um, then from then on, you had a very good surgeon, you know, Peter Williams. That's right. And we went by what he suggested the whole time, just from month to month and or year to year, and just did what he suggested, which we hope was a good view. I don't know. Sometimes I often think it would have been better to have had left your leg straight <laughs> or the way it was. But anyway. It's all history now. It's all history, yes. Yeah. It doesn't matter. But the whole thing around corrective surgery must have been a really tough decision sometimes with you and Dad to uh, be able to decide what's going to work, what's not going to work. Well, we put our faith and trust in the surgeon because what else could we have done? Sure. It has worked out really well, the surgery. Did you notice, was it an adjustment for you in relation to the family dynamics? Because, of course, I was just one of the children, so you had to basically work with them and be, make sure that they weren't being affected too much? Quite frankly, it, I didn't give it too much thought mm. because our family was a group and each one of them had their own little uh, lives to lead and they all just went on accordingly. No, it never gave me any problems at all. That's good. Decisions around schooling? Oh, yes, that was a bit about that. Okay. I had a thing about you having to go to a school, as you know, uh, with all these disabled children that weren't quite as bright as you were. And I did go around to quite a few schools and said, you know, could John go? And it was a case of, oh, no, we've got staircases here. 
or it wouldn't be that suitable. So you went to Marathon and it was after, and that was good when you were in only a little tot, I think. I'm trying to remember now when you were at Marathon. That was junior school. It was more when you were going into senior school that I was looking for a school because Marathon was excellent for you at that time. That's a special that was school. A, yeah, yeah, special school, and it was excellent. A bus came, the blue bus came and picked you up every morning, mm-hmm. and that taught you the basics, like um, preparing uh, Brussels sprouts, that, which I still remember. <laughs> Used to, every time I cut a Brussels sprout, I always think, oh, John told me that I must put a cross at the bottom of them. Do you remember that? I do remember that, actually. <laughs> and, yes. then, and then I used to give you the job of peeling garlic all the time. You used to say, why do I always get this job? That's right. But you did it so beautifully. Thank you. And um, <laughs> yes, I did. You still, you still um, peel the garlic. Still do the garlic. Oh, yes. good, good. Anyway, then I went to the different schools, and you went finally to. I went to what was it? Saint. Um, normal Saint Aloysius. Saint Aloysius. That's that was right. yes. That's a normal school. Yes, and then after that, when you went into senior school, you went into. Bentley, St James, the De La Salle brothers, mm. where you finished your education there. But I had, if you can remember, all those lovely volunteers who actually picked you up and uh, and picked you up and in their car and dropped you home. And sure. Be, we had a roster going and it was really great. As far as my brothers and sisters, I keep going back to them because a, di- a disability in a person's family can be quite disruptive. Yes, because well, you've also got other sporting commitments and they want to have their lives and do other things. I'm the first person to agree that um, I come from a very loving family. There was no conversations you've had to have with or at different times about, why is, about getting the balance right, if that makes sense. You know, you've got to love all the children yes, equally. Yes, not really, no. No, it didn't. I think every one of you are all just treated and still are exactly the same. Okay. We always have been. I suppose it comes from... My upbringing with um, we were all treated the same at home too. We, you know, I had a wonderful family. Mm. No one was picked on or anything like that. Oh, we had our normal little problems, but we got over them. We didn't make an issue of anything, mm. which we still don't make an issue of anything. Perhaps I'm not a worrier. Yeah. I, there's one thing I do want to talk about, and this is we laugh about it at different times, but I think when I, the older I get, more I reflect on it that there were times where a decision was made where I'd go in for a bit of respite into an institution and the whole family would go away as a family unit on a holiday. I, like I said, I've got mixed emotions about that, but obviously I can see it's now had no negative impacts, but was that conscious? Was that how, did that, how did that come about as far as... Well, it wasn't so much a consciousness of... When we were first married, we went into business and we were very busy. We went to one particular doctor and he said, now, look, you're going into business. What I suggest for your own sanity and marriage, this is before I even had any children, make a point of taking two weeks holiday and go away somewhere and forget your business uh, plans or whatever you're doing and just remember what it was like just the two of you together. And we did that every year, had two weeks holiday, whether it be getting in the car and just going to local areas. We'd, we didn't have the money to go into state or anything like that. And uh, we did it all the time. And so, of course, when you were born, it, well, I mean, even then, we, then Paul came after that, we still managed two weeks away. Sure. 
But of course, we having our property at Parlong, everyone came to Parlong. Mm. We all, that's the, that's where the family holidays were every school holidays. But I think there were some holidays I felt when for you to go into your roller or yep. or um, a, a girlfriend looked after you. The same applied for young Paul who came after you. People offered to look after your youngest and the same with I offered to look after other people who had big families if they wanted to go away. We sort of shared giving our kids away in holidays sure. and looking after them. Yeah. Well, it was the same as that. Only yeah. you happened to go to Urella because uh, I didn't uh, feel as though there, that pe- many people could look after you as well as what they did. Sure. But obviously too, and it, and it makes a lot of sense to me as an adult would look back on it, to go away to the beach with your family, knowing that that would have been very challenging, having one, you know, one of your children in a wheelchair, mm. but at least you could go in for drives and get onto the beach as a group. And I fully appreciate that. It makes a lot of sense. Yes. So uh, that's really good. I am loving this chat and I just really hope that uh, people listening also can appreciate sure, 1962 and I'm 57 and is it rude to ask? I'm just trying to say stop trying to avoid people having to do the sums, but you're 80-something. John. You don't ask that question, do you? I don't mind because I'm going to be 85 next Sunday. Are you really? Yes, I don't forget it's my birthday. Thank you, Mother. I love you. Next week. Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe it myself that I'm 85. And I guess you married a comedian, Frank McKenna. We're going to talk to him soon. (laughs) But comedy's played a big role or humour to get through his stuff, has it? Oh, I think you've got to take life a little bit easier. People are so... In my opinion, they worry about things that they've no need to worry about because often these things, uh, I was told, may never happen. Mm. So don't waste your life worrying. Mm. I get concerned about things, but I worry doesn't get you anywhere. You just do something about it. Mm. Don't you agree there? For sure. And for other parents listening who have got a child that sort of, may not be disability but have their own challenges, what's your words of wisdom that you'd like to share to the world about a happy family and I guess in particular being able to identify that point of difference that that child has but not necessarily let it become too disruptive? I think you just have to think if you've been given a child that's got extra needs, you should be flattered to think that the good Lord has chosen you to look after that particular child and be proud of the fact. Mother, I love you and thank you for having a chat with me about this. No, thank you, John. That was so lovely. I had, I think we've had a little talks before about this, haven't we? But never been recorded. Oh, is that what it is? Now the mm-hmm. world can hear. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Thank you. All right, darling. Well, thank you. And we'll. I'm going to make a cup of tea. Would you like one? I'd love one. Thank right. you. Right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Dad, as you know, I've already had a chat with Mum, and it's really great that you were able to. Be with me right now and have a similar conversation. You're going to share your thoughts through a different lens. But um, it's been, as I said to mum, it's really important that I've always wanted this opportunity to have a chat, but more importantly, be able to share with everybody uh, because I'm a very proud individual and I know it's because of you and mum that have uh, guided me and made the right decisions and I love you for that and I thank you. So, Dad, kicking off, I will just talk about any opening remarks or having a child with a disability. 
life-changing or how did you prepare yourself? Well, the one thing that is in my mind that I was from a large family who also had large families, so the ability to mix with relatives at different ages and different places was certainly helpful because of the problems that people had over the years that were not uncommon. So when you arrived and had certain difficulties, it was a lot easier having the people that supported our family over the years and the family that were in the one building for so long and shared day-to-day activities and uh, uh, ideas of what should be done and how it should be done. And so decisions around my education and surgery, I guess, did you reflect with them or talk with them about that or how could you share your journey around those decisions? Well, being the youngest male in the family, I had very little opportunity to have an opinion. (laughs) Most of it was decided by the older members of the family and medically uh, it was quite unique that we had a doctor uncle who was was very well known, Dr Arthur Haywood, and he was born on an island off Hastings. He became a doctor. He opened a practice in Hastings. He ran the Hastings Hospital. He was involved in the Frankston Hospital, the Mordialic Hospital, and also worked at the Alfred Hospital. So during our early childhood at home, If there was any sign of any illness or unwellness, Uncle Arthur was inclined to call in to a home in Ormond and if someone had a sore throat or bad ears or a sore leg, Uncle Arthur would say, get him this or hop in the car and I'll take you down to Hastings and we will fix it. So it was a different situation to a lot of families where we had a very positive medical person available a couple of times a week. He used to call in and say hello. He had a large dairy farm down at Windrest and he would call in and a couple of litres of milk on the way to the hospital. So my family feelings were a little bit different to, say, a one- and two-child family with no close relatives. So what was that... What role did he play, knowing that you had a son with a disability? Was he able to share any thoughts on that? Well, as the years went by, we weren't as involved as you would understand. He had less trips to the Alfred Hospital and we were seeing less of him. So my involvement medically was with the local Dr Britton in Bluff Road, Sandringham, who was quite close to where our business was, And we saw him regularly and he kept in touch and obviously he was the first to be aware that there was some problem with the arrival of our next child. And the fact that it was so rare, Dad, arthroglyposis, multiplex congenital, did you find that the general system or the people that you were hoping for answers weren't giving it to you? Was that a frustration at all? It wasn't a frustration. It was an awareness that the particular problem wasn't common and treatment would be carried out with the idea of improving that condition. And uh, naturally we would ask questions and they would say, well, 
John has gone to the hospital and uh, we hope to have him back on the next couple of days and we are treating this by doing that. But in those days it really wasn't like today where you can get a medical report. It was more the doctor popping into our home or shop and saying, well, I've seen John this morning and he seems a lot better. There's a problem with his um, back or neck or arms and we are doing this to deal with it. The next step became when he then called for a specialist, Mr Peter Williams, which again was the only other person that we dealt with over the years. We weren't sort of dealing with a group of medical specialists. So it made life a lot easier from everyone's point of view that we were getting reports from Mr Peter Williams as to what your condition was, what could be done and how well it was done. I see. And getting slightly off topic, there's so much that I can speak about as how much of a beautiful father you've been with regards to the extra effort about putting the wheelchair in the car. There was no wheelchair taxis. So I don't want this to be about me, but do you want to reflect on, you know, you, I don't remember you ever very rarely saying no. So as far as being a great dad, you were there and you would go to the effort to pack up the bloody heavy wheelchair and put in your car and take to work. Any times there that you want to reflect the good or the bad or the frustrating or hubris? I just wonder how we put five children, two adults and a wheelchair in the one car <laughs> on a regular basis. Yes. But that's what happened. And we were fortunate that we were able to do that and... Um, travel around as we did go into the country farm property at Pylong where we just loaded up and um, got up and at Pylong unloaded and took all the things out and had a very active and pleasant time. Mm. I was never treated specially in your eyes, Dad, which is beautiful, okay? I was very, when I reflect, I was very, I was one of five kids, which is great. Well, that was the fortunate part of your condition, that you were able to accept the fact that you had certain problems, but you also accepted that you're in a very wonderful family where they also accepted your condition and were able to contribute by assisting and um, becoming part of your day-to-day living. Mm. Thank you. Dad, there are other people listening to us talk right now and they might have a child that's got challenges and may not be disability, but... Words of wisdom you'd like to perhaps share to other parents? Um, I know we've been talking about back in 1962, it's a different world now, but if you were to pass on some thoughts to other families, what would they be? Well, the first thing I would try and do is get them off their mobile phone. <laughs> Keep going, we got up this. So we could talk. But I, I believe that the family environment is still possible today and we know lots of people that do have it, where the family environment isn't there, there's generally a breakdown in some relationship which is very hard to overcome. Mm. Thank you. Dad, thank you. As I said, I love you for all your guidance and where I am right today and uh, enjoy the chat. Thank you, John. It's a delight to be with you at any time. You're most entertaining. You're a very wonderful, brave person and we admire you. We thank you for the way you have accepted the family and being part of it. 
and can only hope that the future is just as happy for you as it has been for us. Thank you.